Welcome to this week's episode of Talking Tolkien. This week we actually is very special because we spend our time only on one chapter, which is kind of a fairy tale love story between a man and an elf. Well, she's like half elf, half Maiar. Well, well, you'll just see when we get to talking about it. But it was chapter 19 of the Silmarillion. Enjoy. For some reason, I was reminded of Steakums. I don't know why. Okay. Steakums? I'm more of a Punchburger guy myself. Uh, oh. That's, oh. Not, that's not the same. <laughs> it's like more like, it's more like, I want, I want, I want beef tip fat <laughs> as a pizza topping. Yeah, on that note, uh, <laughs> of Baron and Luthien. Baron. 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 Yeah, Baron and Luthien. Yeah, yes. go ahead. Of, okay, of Baron and Luthien, chapter 19. The first chapter that gets its own unique recording. <laughs> yeah, we decided we should single out the story of Baron and Luthien because... <laughs> because it's the only part of the Silmarillion that's a self-contained narrative? Yeah, A, it, it is. And, and it's it's been retold a couple of times, too, but... And and then also it just it doesn't fit with the following chapter very well. Like we would come down off this great high and then uh, have to discuss the next chapter. So. Yes. so oh yeah. For for some reason that reminded me. Did you all hear the news that Peter Jackson is working on the Silmarillion movie? Happy April Fool's Day. Happy April Fools. It's the worst April Fool's joke <laughs> ever. It, it was. I loved how like the one I saw was like it announced it and then. Within the tweet said, "This is just a bad joke. We're sorry." My, did, did you see though? Like they apologized uh, for it. The April Fool's joke from the One Ring dot net. No. It, oh, it cracked me up. It was um, the One Ring dot net is being sued by uh, World Wrestling Entertainment um, because <laughs> over over the title because clearly the One Ring refers to a wrestling ring. Yeah, the squared circle. Yeah. <laughs> my uh, my mom is flying back from India and she sent me an email and I got it at like two a.m. and it was like flight from Paris. Ampliana canceled. And then the first thing it said was like April Fools. And I, I immediately texted her and I was like, wait, how are you getting back? Flights canceled. And I was like, oh, wait, it said April Fools in the body. Okay. Disregard that. Bear not Luthien. So, Chase, uh, what, what was your. This chapter was so good, I don't have notes. Like, I, I remember very well what happened in this chapter because it was nothing but story. Yes. It, it's really great. The. For everyone who has slogged through Anna Karenina, this chapter is like the last half of book seven. <laughs> or like the previous 700 pages are finally worth what you've read. Thankfully, this was only 200 pages in, so we're really being economical here. Well, it'd be funny if this was like... Uh, I don't know where it's going with that. Never mind. But the, the story of Baron and Luthien, it, it has it all. It's It's a love story. It's got... Wolves. It's got yes, fantasy wolves. and magic, like and tragedy, but tragedy. then like happiness, then yeah. tragedy again, and then happiness, then dismemberment, tragedy, dismemberment. Yeah, which is also kind of like I, I love the way that this story is introduced at the very beginning of the chapter too, because basically it's like, hey, here follows a tale where there's at least some happiness, and <laughs> and, and, and people remember this joy for a long time, and like the elves cherish this tale because of 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 the of the happiness that's contained within well, it. Well, and so like it's it's worthy of noting I think at the beginning that we 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 should kind of renew our uh, our understanding of the doom of Mandos. Yes. So, Chase, in in your words, what is the doom of Mandos? Dude messed up. <laughs> I don't remember actually. I just remember the doom of Mandos. Okay, do you remember who Mandos is? 
Uh, a little bit. He is one of the Valar, of yes. which there are how many? Oh. Or pop quiz. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to get this one wrong. I'm, I'm going to say 11. 14. Now ah, I feel like close. Now I feel like queuing up that Stephen Colbert clip when James Franco was like, I've been reading somewhere early. Maybe you come too. into my house? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do you mean Manway, the leader of the Valar? <laughs> one of, one of the Army. many moments yes. that uh, in which... Colbert truly earns my respect. <laughs> so, um, Mandos is the uh, more or less analogous to, I would say, Hades in the the the, our the pantheon. Yes, of... the, the pan- oh, yes. okay, yeah, because it did summarize this he, stuff a little bit. Yeah. Not that he's like cast in this negative light, as which we do typically cast Hades, but he is the kind of overseer of the souls of the elves. <laughs> yeah, I remember like the halls of Mandos, that's where elf souls will go once they <laughs> depart. Uh, the, the, the realm of living things. So, when Feanor did his thing, Mando's cursed. Did his blood oath. Yes. Basically said, everyone who swears this oath and follows Feanor shall never return to the West. Okay. Yeah. So, that is the kind of curse that has been following around all of the Noldor. So, that pops up time and time again in this. So, where we start is with with is, is with Baron, who is the son of Barahir, who is the son of Beor, who are like the um, the, the wise men? Mm-hmm. And what is their name? The oh my goodness! Um, the name of the, that race of men, Baeth or something? What's maybe I should have wrote notes? I don't know. <laughs> no, I had it on the tip of my tongue like ten minutes ago. Anyway, yes. So Baron is off doing a an errand for his dad, and Sauron basically murders everyone else. Everybody. Every, Murder everybody. Everyone in within Barahir's company. And yeah, Baron is the only survivor of this simply because his father had sent him off to spy on the enemy. And so while he was spying on the enemy, the enemy came in and killed everyone. <laughs> so Baron comes back and he's like, oh, that happened. And he finds the, uh, the, the body of his father and removes his father's ring, which was given to him by... Um, Finrod Feligand, yes, yes, because remember that uh, Barahir and Finrod were bros. <laughs> it's Hain, that's the word I was looking for. <laughs> yes, the Hain. Um, they, uh, Barahir had give, given fealty to Feligand, and therefore Feligand had sworn an oath of friendship to Barahir. So, yeah, once Baron found his father's dead body, um, he actually killed the, he found the orcs that had killed his father, and they had the hand That's of right. Barahir, mm-hmm. which had on it the ring of Feligand. And so Baron uh, goes crazy on them and kills them and then retrieves the, the ring uh, it, to kind of use I, as his own protection. I guess it is foreshadowing for later on just because... Just, I mean, in multiple aspects. Yeah, yeah like yeah. almost like directly. It's like, hand gets chopped <laughs> up. Guess what happens later? Hand gets chopped off. Yeah. You know what happened previously in the book? Hand got hand chopped got off. Chopped off. <laughs> Tolkien really has a thing about against right hands, hands yes. and rings. Yeah, maybe he was like John Kellogg in that respect. <laughs> um, so then Baron is like wandering through a glen, and he meets Luthien, who is the daughter of Thingol and Melian. Well, is this when he had been hanging out in the forest long enough to become buddies with all the buddy, like all the all the beasts? Yeah. So yeah, after this time, yeah, Baron is kind of wandering, and he he becomes friends with all the beasts and living things that are not servants of Morgoth. And, That's right. Yeah. 
uh, becomes friends with them and swears. Like he, he basically becomes a vegan. He, yeah, he becomes a vegan. Decides he's not going to eat uh, the flesh of beasts, and, and that like, he'll be friends with them. And they're all like, "That's cool." And they're okay, all like, that, "That's thanks. cool. We like you, Baron." Um, and he's, you know, he's wandering through trying to find, um, you know, like a, a, a safe sort of haven. Um, and he's going through this really treacherous land, including the land where Ongoliant's spider and beastie yeah. things are. And remember, we have the girdle of Melian that is pushed around Doriath. And is this where um, is this round where like Minigroth is? I know Minigroth comes up later, mm-hmm. but this is round where that's at. Mm-hmm. Okay. So and that's when he seems he sees what was her name. Lulith. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, okay. Actually, pause because I, I jumped way into this. At the beginning of it, uh, as it turns out, when Sauron like raided a party, he captured one of Barahir's oh, yeah. Like, yeah. lieutenants and, yeah. and like basically tortured him for information. And he was like, What is your prize? And Gorlum was his name. And Gorlum was like, Oh, I only want to be with my wife and for her to be free with me. And so Sauron's like, oh, that's easy. Here you go. Here she is. Presents his wife to her. He says, oh, this is where you can find Bear here. And then Sauron is like, Mwahaha, you fool! I've killed your wife. This is an illusion. And then he kills Go Gorlam. be with her. Whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go be with her. He slays and he, and he kills Gorlam and then mm-hmm. finds Bear here. So by, yes. by the way, this is the first time Sauron has spoken directly in this, correct? I believe so. Because, yeah, I, I, yeah, I noticed that. The first time that we've seen actual dialogue from Sauron. <laughs> so, yes, it is It is four years that, that Baron is wandering in Dorthonium and becoming the friends of the birds and the beasts. Yeah. And so then he, he just kind of stumbles into Doriath, which is, remember, it's it's this hidden kingdom that Thingol had, uh, you know, uh, doesn't want people to, find. to come into. Yeah. Um, or rather, doesn't he, he? He's not. Thingol is not friendly to men, and he doesn't want men there. And this is based upon the last few chapters, where mm-hmm. they they talk about like men being pushed out of that area. Yeah, and remember also that Melian had kind of put this enchantment around it to, yeah, to yeah, keep, yeah, to keep right, it safe. Yeah. Yes. Um. So, Baron finally stumbles in there, and yeah, then he comes across uh, this. Fair, beautiful maiden who is uh, dancing on the green hill. Yeah, dancing on the green hill and singing her song. This is of Heidi popped up in my brain. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he immediately falls in love with her. Boom! Yeah, she's the fairest creature to have ever existed. Right. And remember, so she's the daughter of King Thingol and Melian, mm-hmm. um, their only child. And yeah, so instantly Baron forgets everything and becomes enchanted by her. And uh, she's described, I love the way that Luthien is described. She was most beautiful of all the children of Iluvatar. Blue was her raiment as the unclouded heaven, but her eyes were gray as the starlit evening. Her mantle was sewn with golden flowers, but her hair was dark as the shadows of twilight. As the light fell upon the leaves of trees, as the voice of clear waters, as the stars above the mists of the world, such was her glory and her loveliness, and in her face was a shining light. So, so And Baron is just Twitter-pated. So to borrow a word from Bambi. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Thingol is elf and Melian is Maya. Maya. Mm-hmm. So she is this kind of like pseudo celestial being. Yeah. Yeah. Celestial emissary. Mm-hmm. So Baron gives her a name. Is before he even knows her name. Um, do you remember what he names oh, her? I don't remember that actually. 
Uh, wait, hold on, hold on. And he called her. Wait. Think Red Cross. I had it. <laughs> Think Florence. <laughs> no, I can't find it. He names her Tinuvio, which in Cinderin means. I was literally about to say that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, it means Nightingale or Daughter of Twilight again. Um, so yeah, like Luthien is this ethereal daughter of Twilight, daughter of Elf slash Maya. Yeah, so she is like, like, I mean. She 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 is like the most beautiful in like Middle Earth, basically, is yes. what this is kind of like pointing towards. Yes. So Baron kind of calls out to her, calls her to Nuviel, um, and she sees him and instantly falls in love. Um, Done but, for life. Yeah, but then so then it's I I don't know just the descriptions of this it's 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 like. It's the perfect description of this love at first sight kind of thing because, so she sees him and falls in love, and but then like so he he's he's wanting to come towards her and then she kind of vanishes from his sight and then I love what happens then Baron it says then Baron lay upon the ground in a swoon as one slain at once by bliss and grief. <laughs> swoon <laughs> exactly. It's he passed like, out. Yeah, and, and and here we get the first of Tolkien's songs. Why do birds suddenly appear? Every time Baron's near, no wait, that's Sunny and Cher. Sorry, that's that wait. is that's Sunny and Cher. <laughs> but it's uh, important to note that the tale of Baron and Luthien actually is a song. Yes, um, and it's told here in prose, song by Leonard Nimoy. Yeah, yeah, song by Leonard Nimoy. <laughs> no, it is not Baron Baron <laughs> Luthien. Now, is it around this point where she's like, "You should come see my dad"? Yeah. Well, so they 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 fall in love and they have this like kind of whirlwind thing in the forest. They're they frolic- frolicking in the forest. Yes. And then yeah, she's like, you should come meet my dad. He's great." Right, but she she goes first to him, and she's yeah. like, "Hey, I'm bringing my boyfriend home." And he's like, "What? What the what?" And, and basically, you know, the movie in 1967, look, guess who's coming to dinner? Like that's yeah. what happens. Just I don't know about. <laughs> well, this. it was also so there was another. There was like a what, who was it? A minstrel? Yes. That uh, was, that was also in love with Luthien. His name is what? Doroth or something? Um, Doroth? Uh, Darren. Darren. Daron. 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 Yeah, and. Um, so he he like betrayed them to Thingol, that's and right, so that's then right. Luthien was like, no, no, I will bring you to, I will bring him and to to her father, and she's like, hey, dad, don't kill him. Um, then we find out that elves can be really xenophobic. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, like he like Baron like goes to this big thing about like how like like this is who I'm from, this is who my dad was, and things like, yeah. whatever. Because yeah. no. once Daron spells the secret, Thingol just wants to kill him, like, outside, though. And yeah. so Luthien goes to him and makes him swear that he will not... Not kill, kill him. Baron. Also not, like, imprison him, yeah. but then, like, finds, like, a weird compromise in between. Yeah. So Thingol's like, oh, okay, well, um... If you can bring me a Silmaril, <laughs> oh, God. No then I will allow you to marry my daughter, if she so pleases. So uh, Chase just to just to catch us up, where are the Silmarils? They're in Angbong on Morgoth's head. Yes, yes. Uh, and so yeah. no big deal. So no, no big, big deal. deal. You know, just giving you this impossible task that no one could ever complete that at all. Millions of people have been killed in the process. Oh no! Yeah. So are we still recording? It should be okay. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. So no, it, 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 yeah, it's still recording. We're Good. Recording. All right. <laughs> So Baron's Are you like, sure it doesn't? It's not. Pressure. No, it yes, is. It's, it is. It's, it's going. It's going very slowly. Oh, okay. 
So Baron's like, okay, I'll do it. Um, Melian, I don't know what those are, but whatever. <laughs> Melian, meanwhile, is, you know, ever the voice of reason, is telling Thingol, you know, this does not bode well for you. <laughs> should should Baron succeed or should he fail, this does not bode well for you. And so Melian, they, I, just, I just love Melian, how she's always the voice of, like, Reason and she, she's not ultimate a, wisdom to her husband. She's, she's not a damsel in distress. No, she is. She's like, hey, listen, I know things. And so while Baron goes off to you know climb onto Morgoth's head, they decide to Rapunzel Luthien. Okay. Yeah, and so and <laughs> more than great think. moment. Yeah, totally Rapunzel moment. <laughs> so they they find this great tree, and the tree has its own name because everything has its own name, and the name you know means something. But well, Thingol. Had, had built this house around her. Well, but the house was in the tree. Yeah, it so, was in the tree. So it, it's a beech tree, but it's made of three trunks, and the house is like suspended between the three trunks, like several hundred feet in the air, and there's no ladder up to it. So she really is like she's Rapunzeled. And so what does she do? She grows her hair out. And because she's like half Maiar and she's beautiful, her hair has magical properties. Mm-hmm. So she weaves part of it into this like cloak Close. of sleepiness. The part that weirded me out. And then like, sends I didn't a expect couple that one. strands down yeah. and like enchants the guards and puts them in this deep slumber so that she can climb out of the tree and follow Baron on his quest. Yeah. It was one of those moments where I was like, I thought this was just going to be like a straight up Rapunzel regurgitation, but Tolkien is smarter than that. Yeah. <laughs> and then like put this cloak thing. I'm like, okay, it got weird. All right, good. I'm in. It's great though. There's so much like magic and weirdness in this story I love it this is one of my favorite and things. also did she like force grow her hair it's like <laughs> coming out of her head or yeah something. yeah she she, <laughs> yeah. she she took a deep breath she held her nose and she exhaled like, through her scalp forced it out of her <laughs> follicles and down it went it's um, like it's like the scene at the end of the last crusade when Donovan <laughs> rapidly ages yeah. <laughs> and meanwhile uh Baron Baron uh, goes to find Finrod Yes. And is telling Finrod everything that's happened. And Finrod, like, rec- recognizes him, but to get to his... To get to the side of Finrod, he has to show the ring off. And there's this beautiful description of the ring, how it's, like, two serpents entwined, eating like, and regurgitating. Yes. Okay, now, this comes from, like, my very limited knowledge of Lord of the Rings via the movies. That ring sounded very familiar for some reason. Does that show up in the movies, or am I making that up, or am I thinking of another ring? Uh, you know, I don't entirely I remember. It's, it's not one of the seven rings gifted, or nine rings to men, is it seven or nine? Seven of nine. Uh, nine to men. Nine to men. No, yeah. I just feel like there's not a, one of those. It's not one of those, but, um... I might be getting this mixed up with Harry Potter for some reason. <laughs> this me, then. I mean, honestly, the visual description of it reminded me of, um... Some rings. My class ring. Um, not Cinderin. The House of... Salazar Cinderin. Slytherin. Slytherin, yeah. Salazar Cinderin. That might be where my brain's going. <laughs> oh my and God. now we have a hybrid elf slash... <laughs> yeah, so anyway. Um, so Fen- uh, Fenrod is like, wait, you have to you have to find a, a Silmaril? He's like, well... <laughs> there's a curse involved here. But the curse is on top of me too, and I have to... I, I, I'm like sworn... To, to find... To my house. Yes, mm-hmm. so I'm, like, obligated to go with you, so let's bring a detachment of men and go. But he also wanted to help him because he was the son of Barahir, to whom yes. he had also sown, uh, sown, sworn an oath of friendship, so Falagund is, like, totally tied up in this. Yes. Yeah, he's like, ah, all places, pulling everywhere. But then okay. but then you have Caligorm and Kurafin, who immediately are speaking up against it, and are saying like anyone who seeks a Silmaril for his own must die, and uh, and and uh, Baron will find no friend or love here. 
So as a side note, um, it is also there are several references to the Lay of Lethian in this, which mm-hmm. is originally this was a standalone epic poem that yeah. was the Lay of Lethian, which was never completed. And so they like refer to or he in the Silmarillion refers to this poem as if it is like a previously existing entity within. Yeah, I noticed that. Within yeah. the yeah. entire yes. story. Well, there was like a line at the very beginning that said something along the lines of "We're presenting this a shorter, this, yeah. yeah, without the yeah. songs something like that, except for yeah. a few." Yeah, but we also have to remember though that the Silmarillion was completed over a very long time and was constantly modified, posthumously edited, and, you know, so, but, yeah, it it does constantly uh, refer to that, to the Lay of Lathian. It's kind of, kind of nice. It's like narrative within narrative. Um, so, yeah, uh... So, Fenrod and company and Baron go... Fenrod and ten friends. Ten friends. Ten friends. They, um... They disguise themselves. I don't remember at this point. They did. They disguise um, themselves as beggars. Yeah, That's they right. they go. They well, they they find some orcs and kill them, and then they, they disguise themselves as the orcs and, def- oh, and yeah, disguise themselves right. as orcs. They go to um, Finrod, uh, not Finrod, Sauron's tower, previously named Minas Tirith. Where was mm-hmm. What is the name of the new tower? Or the um, new name? It's like tower? tall, tall. Oh, why am I doing this? Oh God. Uh, it's it's like tall something. Uh, Tol and Gareth. There we go. Yes. yes. Um, and, and Sauron knows something's up because the orcs don't check in. Yeah. And all the orcs <laughs> have to check in. To do. So I like how it's this like minor procedural bit of bureaucracy that gives mm-hmm. them away. Yeah. But, but Sauron suspects them. So he brings them forth, um, and kind of, you know, strips them of their disguise. And we get a song. Yeah. This is the first song, Tolkien's song we've gotten. Yes. So so now, yeah, we have this song that's describing, uh, you know, Sauron facing off against Felagund. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It's a pretty cool thing that they that he did that. And Sauron overpowers them and throws them all into this deep pit. And says he will kill them all unless they tell him the truth about what they're up to. Um... And he sends his werewolves oh. out after them one by one. What'd you okay. forget? What'd you forget? Here we go. I looked it up on, online. A ring was given to Bearer here by the elven lord Fenrod Felagund in reward for saving his life in Dagor Bragalach. It was a sign of eternal friendship, da 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 passes down through multiple generations, blah blah blah. In the third age, the ring was again passed in direct line from Elendil to Isildur, to the kings of Arnor, yes. and then the kings of Arthedain. Arthedain? I don't know. I knew you were right. That's, we see it. Uh, Aragorn, Aragorn shows it, it to yes. him. It's Aragorn. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's so All right, that's then. right. Yeah. So yeah. So there's our, our first little. I've, I think this is the first time we've really found like a a, a, go, a nice <laughs> little uh, nod from uh, in the films, and we'll be talking about this later. But yeah, a nice little nod back to the Silmarillion, um, and that was very correct. Aragorn's ring. It just sounded familiar. Yes. Yeah. I kept it in mind. No, that's that's that's, that's what I, that's I, what I was thinking yes. too when you mentioned that. Um, so yeah, so Sauron is sending out the, the his werewolves one by one to kill each of the company. Um, and meanwhile, Luthien senses that Baron is in trouble. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so she goes to Melian, who of course knows and tells her that he's imprisoned. Um, specifically where he's at. Specifically too. where he is, because you know Melian knows all. She's super smart, um, and Luthien wants to go help. And this is when he builds this house around her, and then she—that's yeah, when yeah. she escapes. And 
making stuff like her cloaks out of her hair. Magical, <laughs> magical hair cloak. So then on her way, is this one Kurufen? Yeah. And, yeah. So on her way, she like bumps into Kurufen and, and Kelagorm. And because they are also Noldor and they like also want the Silmarils, they're, you know, they're like, oh yes, this is, of course, we, we shall help out with this quest. And then they're actually just kind of awful people and they're like, hey, you know, if we marry her, we'll become a lot stronger politically. This is like very, like, feudalistic of them. Totally. And while this is happening, there's a dog. <laughs> there's a magic the dog. The great yeah. hound of Valinor named Huan. Huan. So mm-hmm. Huan is also a Maiar, just like yeah. Melian, just, mm-hmm. and like, um... Thorondor is the king of the eagles. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, like, yes, he's one of the kind of animalistic Maya. And had been uh, given to Caligorn by Orome. Yes. Um, I read this part maybe a little bit too fast because I missed over the the first mentioning of him being hound. And there's this part like, <laughs> was she riding like, like he, a steed? And you're like, what? Yeah. Well, first it was like, and then he like laid outside of her door, and I was like, well, okay, I can see where <laughs> someone would do that or whatever. And then yeah. like it said, rode him like a steed. I'm like, I can't. What? No. <laughs> so good to know he is a hound. Yeah. And then I realized, oh wait, he's a dog. He's a, a magical dog. talking hound, but yeah. he's a hound. Well, and the thing though is that he uh, speaking. So we 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 learned some things about who on. Uh, that there's a prophecy that he can only be defeated by the greatest of the werewolves and also that he can speak like a human three times. Um, and oh, we'll yes, see right. this throughout throughout the story. Uh, and he's he's like the size of like like a Hummer. <laughs> wow. Maybe not that big. That's he's, pretty big. He's, he's the size of like, you know, like a sedan. Just, at, a at least a sedan. Yeah, he's a, he's a very large hound. It's not your average hound. So... Huan kind of betrays Caligorm and helps Luthien escape, and she rides him, and they go like straight to Tol Sirion. Tol Angarath. Tol Angarath. Um, and so at at this moment, like Sauron had been trying to get everybody to turn on each other, like he did at the beginning of the story. Nobody did, and so he sends his his werewolves in to attack, and Finrod saves Baron, but in in the process becomes mortally wounded. And so Luthien appears kind of like in, in the midst of this. And is this when she starts to sing? Yeah, she sings. Oh, God. And, well, he, well, Finrod Strip dies right there, yes. too. And yeah. not only does he die, like, I had that moment of like, oh, God, this guy is like millions of years old and is now dead. Yeah. And he died in a pit by werewolves. Mm-hmm. Saving a man. But he, Saving but he, a man, yeah. But he died... In fulfilling his oath of friendship to that is true, yeah. here as well, so uh, he yes. so he he at least died with that but, but, knowledge that he had. But but I mean also fulfilling his oath to Feanor, right? And so this is partially part of the Doom of Mandos and partially part of his oath to here. So it's kind of right. this. It, it's not as like it's not as dark as a lot of the other Noldor deaths have been, but it's you know it's still kind of ensnared in that cloud. Yeah. But then Luthien is now, she is now singing and it pierces through the walls and he's like, oh, of the fortress. Like, yeah. here. And What's Baron that? Answers. I gotta be dreaming. <laughs> and so Sauron sees them and there's a bridge and Sauron sends all of his werewolves out on the bridge and Huan defeats each defeats werewolf him. sequentially. Like silently too. So I'm just imagining he's like cut, just like biting yeah. necks and throwing them off into a cliff. <laughs> just so, bite neck, throw well, yeah. cliff. And this sequence comes very, very quickly in the text. So yeah. exactly. It's like, you know, Sauron is sending these werewolves out and Huan is just like, you know, tossing them off, killing them. And then, and then, and then Sauron sends like a big guy He sends out. The, the, the sire of all the werewolves, who, according to the prophecy, is the one that is supposed to be able to kill um, Huan. Yes. Um, but 
Huan wounds him mortally and sends him back in to die before Sauron's feet because which badass hound. Yeah, that was pretty awesome words about like like just like we couldn't do it. Boom, dead. Just bleeds out. Sauron's like, "Well, I guess I got to take care of this." <laughs> so, I mean, that's the voice I thought of for Sauron. I don't know why. Okay. Sorry, flipping through, I just noticed this quote I liked. Uh, when Baron was first told to find us somewhere else, he says, for a little price to oh, elven yeah. kings sell their daughters <laughs> for gems and things made by craft. But be this if you will, Thingol, I will perform it. I yeah. loved that and, for how yes. ignorant he was right there. I know, I think it was purposeful. I, I, I oh, think, okay, I feel, yeah. I think no, he I was like saying... He was being cheeky. Yeah. yeah. Believe so? All right, I, I yeah. think he was saying, like, okay, this is... This is this is a small order for what for the prize. Yeah. For the pr- yeah. And then he says, and "This is important." And when we meet again, to my hand shall hold a Silmaril from the Iron Crown. Yep. Um, so yes. Anyway, do it. Uh, the he defeats all the Huan defeats all of the werewolves, and so Sauron is like incensed, and so he turns himself into a werewolf and like runs that's out. Dumb. And, that's yeah. that's even kind of dumb for Sauron to me. I'm like, you've sent a bunch of werewolves. Why don't you transform yourself into, I don't know, a gigantic foot or something? <laughs> well, Sauron believes that he will be the one who can defeat Huan if, oh, he, if yeah, he takes yeah. the form of the werewolf, right? Um, so, yeah. Uh, goes out to take on this great hound, and what happens but Huan pins him. Um, and yeah, then, is this when she uses some of her hair to make him sleepy? That, that, no. comes, that, comes, that, right that, that. Okay. comes right after that. So Sauron is like freaking out, changing form, becomes a serpent, becomes you know all these a, other things. A, a, a basket of pancakes. Basket of pancakes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he realizes that he can't escape unless he leaves his physical form. Oh, that was crazy! Yeah, mm. yeah, that was crazy. So, so she says, "Give me the tower, and we will let you leave, and we'll let you leave." So Luthien now is taking ownership of this property and Sauron is forced to scamper away in the form of a vampire. I mean he said she says a she says a line right here that I love which is they're everlasting thy naked they're everlastingly thy naked self shall endure the torment of his scorn pierced by his eyes unless thou yield to me the mastery of thy tower. Yep. Yes. Damn. <laughs> yeah, like Luthien, I mean we've seen a lot of pretty awesome women uh, thus far, and Luthien just adds to that host. <laughs> yeah. of that. I, yeah. I just, I love it. Like the image of her with this giant dog is just incredible. Right. So then she goes in and she rescues her love. Um. They yeah, bury, well, they bury Finrod here, too. Here, here, well, here's the nice bit. Okay. So, but no wizardry, nor spell, neither fang, nor venom, nor devil's art, nor beast's strength could overthrow Juan of Valinor, and he took his foe by the throat and pinned him down. Then Sauron shifted. Sh- sh- boom. Yes. And that's when the song. I just like that quote. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, the Baron and Luthien, they bury Feligund, and then Upon kind of... On top of his own isle. Right. And they kind of then wander around for a while and sort of recuperate and have a little uh, a little bit more, like, joyful, frolicky times. I, I felt like for some reason that since time is so weird in these books... I mean, this one, a little bit less explicit, or, I mean, a little bit more explicitly that time's not as crazy. I just had this image of them, like, making a... For some reason, just going off in, like the it's winter time, but it doesn't affect them. And I just had like idea of like them camping out for a while. <laughs> we will camp in the dead of winter. Oh, oh, and when she saw Baron, she thought he was dead at first. Yeah, had a little. Yeah, that's Juliet. true. Yeah, and but Baron coming back to the light out of the pits of despair lifted her up, and they looked again upon one another, and the day rising over the dark hills shone upon them. Hooray! 
Now Baron and Luthien to Nuviel went free again and together walked through the woods, renewing for a time their joy. And though winter came, it hurt them not, for flowers lingered where Luthien went, and the birds sang beneath the snow-clad hill. But Huon, being faithful, went back to Caligorm, his master, yet their love was less than before. Because remember, Caligorm oh, yeah. had tried to kidnap That's Luthien, true. and Huon was like, no, uh, I want to help Luthien. So yeah, now is kind of like a bit of tension between uh, master and companion now. And I, I like the next bit, because this is kind of this cosmic effect. So, there were a bunch of imprisoned elves that she, like, let go. Set free. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they come back, and they kind of, like, rile stuff up. Yeah. Well, they're worried, too. Yeah. And, you know, nobody really trusts Caligorm and Kurafan anymore. No. And, no. So, and they're sad that Fenrod has died, because he was yeah. king. So now Oradreth is still kind of in power there because Finrod had made him sort of acting king. Um, and Caligorm and Corfin are exiled from Nargothrond for yes. their actions. Nargothrond. So they're, they're wandering around with Huon, and guess who they run into? Lovebirds? That's Baron right, yeah. Yep, Baron and Luthien. Um, so they're attacked again. By Caligorm and By two dum-dums. <laughs> because, I mean, yeah, they, uh, time and time again during this story, Caligorm and Corfin, uh showed how possessed and committed they are by this oath that they've sworn under the house of Feanor. Um, so again, Juan decides he's going to help Baron and Luthien. Um, and Baron becomes pretty severely injured by... Uh, he gets an arrow to the chest. Yeah, well, he takes an arrow to the chest. They like they fight, and then Huan is like, "Okay, Kelgorm, bye. <laughs> I'm with these dudes now. Peace." And so they're like running off, and Kelgorm turns around and like shoots an arrow at Luthien, and yeah. like Huan like leaps up and like bites the arrow out of the air, and so he mm-hmm. shoots another arrow, and Baron catches it with his heart. Yeah, because well, he yeah shot um, at Luthien and Baron jumped in front yeah. of it. I have this image that like it's like he's jumping up to catch it and he ends up just taking it in the chest like I missed. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I misjudged. Um, so yeah, Luthien uh, then is able to heal him, and they go back to Dorne yeah. for a while. And, and there's then, there's this beautiful moment in here. Even as they spoke together, these things walking with heed. Of, else, of aught else, Caligorm and Kurfan rode up, hastening through the forest, and the brothers espied them and knew them from afar. Then Caligorm turned his horse and spurred it upon Baron, purposing to ride him down. But Kurfan, swerving, stooped and lifted Luthien to his saddle, for he was a strong and cunning horseman. Then Baron sprang from before Caligorm, full upon the speeding horse of Kurfan that had passed him, and the leap of Baron is renowned among men and elves. He took Kurufin by the throat from behind and hurled him backward, and they fell to the ground together. The horse reared and fell, but Luthien was flung aside and lay upon the grass. So they actually, like, swooped in and kidnapped Luthien, and he yeah. he yeah. leapt onto a speeding horse and then yeah. threw Kurufin off. And brain. remember that, yeah, Baron is a mere man. Yeah, I mean, yes. not mere, because, again, men at this time were pretty pretty darn powerful Stocky. and similar to to elves at this time in, in, in body and in just not quite as powerful. So, yeah, Baron is showing his, you know, truly powerful um, example of the race of of man here. So, yes. So after Kurfan shoots Luthien, but Baron takes it in his heart, it is told that Huan pursued the sons of Feanor, and they fled in fear, and returning, he brought to Luthien an herb out of the forest with that leaf. She staunched Baron's wound, and by her arts and by her love, she healed him. And thus, at last, they returned to Doriath. 
so yeah, at this time, Baron again is still like he he's he's determined. No. He's gonna complete this quest. No, I don't want to go back yet. <laughs> I mean, he it's 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 scary. He's like, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna do this. He's gonna make it to uh to to the throne of Morgoth, and he's gonna take this Silmaril no matter what happens. So he leaves Luthien and the Karahuan and leaves while she's asleep. But then he makes the mistake of singing about her. And, yeah. and Luthien hears it. And, <laughs> and Juan kind of allows her to ride him like a steed again and takes her to Baron. And is this the bit when he's like going through some planes that they're like elvish spies everywhere? Yeah. And he just holds the ring above his head? Or, well, that was before. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Before, saying, before. yeah. He's identifying himself and using the ring as protection. Well, no, what, what happens now is that... Uh, so Juan is helping Luthien, and they take the form of Draugluin, the wolf that Juan had killed, yes. and then this bat, uh, Thuringwithil. Everything about that was weird to me. Yeah, so... Surreal, yeah. Super surreal. Again, more magic. They yeah. transform and take the form of this great wolf and the bat, and they come to Baron. Um, is this when Juan talked? Yeah. This was, like, the second time that Juan had spoken. Okay, yeah. Because for some reason I was reading that part just imagining the voice of Keith David. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, so, yeah. So, Baron is like, okay, fine. You know, he, he keeps wanting to protect Luthien, but at this point he knows that her fate is tied to his own. So, he's like, well, I guess I can't stop you from Well, let's go get these dumb me, things. So, let's, 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 uh, yeah. I can win your heart or whatever. <laughs> Wait, that's already happened. I mean, to win over your dad. Yeah. That's what I meant. So now Baron and Luthien resume these forms of wolf and bat, and they finally come to Angband. And they manage to, like, get in pretty easily, it seems like, except for, like, that one dude. The one, it's like one wolf. What's his? Karkaroth. Yes, Karkaroth. Karkaroth. Is it Karkaroth or Karcharoth? Karkaroth, because remember, it's like C- yeah. but it's C H. So I was just curious mm-hmm. about that because we never really see that C H construction before. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it uh, makes a hard C sound. Karkaroth. Um. So yeah, uh, Karkaroth is this great werewolf, and he's kind of uh, the um, gatekeeper. Gatekeeper. Gatekeeper yeah. is appropriate. And Luthien sings a magical song um, to make them all fall asleep. Oh, okay. CH always has the value of CH and lock. Yeah. It's... Or, but not, never the CH in church. So it's more than a K. It's a little K, kind of an aspirated. Yeah. So Karkara. Karkara. Mm-hmm. Okay. Think of Netta's last name. Or think of, like, think of, I was thinking Klingons for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Klingons. <laughs> um... Is this the point when they actually get into, like, like everything's cool, and they kind of move into, like, the throne room area? Yeah. And they see as a crazy throne. They, they get into Angban, and she basically just sings them Sings them to sleep. Them to sleep. Yeah. And so, yeah, they, they come in and... They descend to the... Th- come up to the throne, where the Dark Lord is now oh, and, and, sleeping under Luthien's spell. Oh, and previously, at one point, Baron had got the super strong knife. Did he get it from Kurofen? It was Finrod, uh, wasn't he, it? It was Finrod's. It was Finrod's Finrod's, okay, yeah. yeah. Um... And so Baron takes the knife and he cuts a Silmaril from Morgoth's crown. 
Well, well, okay, so that was bef- but 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 that was after the situation happened where they were fighting, and then like M- Morgoth like knows she's there, and he yeah. sees her, and then like she basically distracts him and starts singing, and it sounds as if she's coming from everywhere, so he can't see where she is anymore, and then suddenly the the Somerils kind of start blazing themselves, <sighs> and the crown gets so heavy, even Morgoth can't like keep it up. He's just so like talking he, with yeah. his head down. So he like his head bows, and then she she's able to kind of enchant. Morgoth, and so then he takes this knife and cuts free a Silmaril. And cuts the Silmaril. And then he decides, you know what, if I can cut one Silmaril, I can I cut can all get of more. them. And then the knife breaks. Explodes. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the knife breaks, and a little shard of it hits Morgoth in the face. Yeah. <laughs> poor poor Morgoth. He just keeps getting scared. Like, wait, oh, wait, wait, man. wait. Poor Morgoth? I'm I sorry, no. I, no. <laughs> I mean, still, though. I mean, He his gets face, everything that's coming to him. His hand is burnt, his feet hurt, yep. his like face is cut up, he's just like, God, I can't get up break. He a deserves break. all of it. <laughs> this is not a, like a, a beautiful Disney evil print. No. <laughs> no. Uh, so he's, so Baron is holding the Silmaril in his hand and it is, it is like shining through his hand, but the Silmaril, as it says, suffers his hand and does not break. It doesn't do anything to him, which is really cool. There, there was something in there too about like how no, that's later. That's, that's later on. But I mean, they, he tries to pop out the second one. It doesn't work. He's like, whatever, let's go. <laughs> right. So they're trying to leave, and it's, it's, it's like this Indiana Jones moment. Like we got to get out of here. <laughs> so he's using the Silmaril as like a flashlight, but then Karkaroth sees this and basically leaps up and just bites his hand off. Yeah, again, then, someone has lost a hand, and that was the point where like it, it, it mentioned something like his insides burned, his, like innards burned. Well, so, yeah, because remember the like, Silmaril does to Karkaroth what it did to, to Morgoth. Morgoth, but in his guts. But but like, because. Yes, but it doesn't kill him, and in fact, he grows more like wicked and evil because of the pain, which okay, which yeah. was what had happened to Morgoth yes. too. Morgoth became more wicked and more angry because of the pain that he was suffered. Because just, again, no one with an evil heart can touch a Silmaril. And, and so, at this point, the gods come out of the machine because once again, we have a Deus Ex Machina with the eagles just swooping God, down and yeah. picking them up. And the, as they're flying, but Baron, the eagles are not a taxi service. Yes. But so, they do come in and save the day. As, quite as, often. as they're flying, Baron is just kind of like passed out because there's like kind of poison in his wound, and Luthien sucks it out with her mouth. And she she sees down below, um, uh, Glorfin. No, oh my god, uh, the name of that place, Doriath. No, no, no the, uh, the city, uh, Turgon's kingdom. Oh, sorry, um, um Gondolin. Gondolin. She yeah. sees like the light of Gondolin. And then the eagles land, and they put them in the same glen where Baron and Luthien first met. Oh, even the oh, even the eagles get it. Yeah, these do. two these two people love each other. Whatever. So, so I will say, like, the, and they just disappear. The eagles, yes, they are not a taxi service, but they are like Maya, and I think their point is is I don't know, like it, it seems like there's this kind of repeated act where people have to prove themselves, not for yeah. the eagles, but they have to like they have to go through the journey, and then the eagles like kind of are part of the completion of that. Yeah. So, well, because remember, like, I mean... Like, these people have done a good deed, and they do not deserve to die, and yeah. that's why the eagles... So they're worthy of this yes. sort of deus ex machina now, that uh, the eagles will come in and, and help them in their hour, dire, dire circumstances in their hour of need. But now they've managed to get back to Doria. To Doria. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so... <laughs> my favorite bit in the entire so thing. So is like, what? You're alive? <laughs> How did this hey, happen? 
Uh, hey, dude, I got the summer rope. It's in my hand. It's in my hand. He opens up and says, oh, it's not there. Pulls his other one, stomp. Yep. And everyone had a good laugh. <laughs> That's yeah. what I He's like, it's in my hand, but my hand is in Karkaroth's is, is in in some, belly. Some, yeah. And, in the and, belly of the beast. And then Thingol is like, oh, and so he... he so Baron has gained two other names by this point. One of them means like one hand, and the other means empty hand. Mm-hmm. And he names himself Empty Hand because he did that yeah. little joke. I'm a dork. And so then, <laughs> Which remember when when we were introduced to Baron, it said it, we were told that later he would be called Baron the One Hand. Yes. <laughs> so Thingol is like, okay, okay, fine. You're, you're maybe you're not maybe you're not the scrub I thought you were. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, beyond that, like all of the elves are worried about like the growing. Like evil and doom that Karkaroth could bring, mm-hmm. so they then decide to rally and go and defeat Karkaroth. Also, Karkaroth had come into uh, Doriath and through was, the Girdle of Malion. Yeah, through the Girdle of Malion. My guts are on fire. Yeah, screwing things up and destroying things. So yeah, they had to they had to fight against him too. So uh, Baron and Huan both. Uh, committed to this hunt for Karkaroth and they go to pursue him um, and what happens but so they slay Karkaroth but unfortunately Juan dies in the process yeah Juan yes. dies in the process and he speaks one last time before he dies which yep. I can't remember what it was this was the third yeah the third time that he speaks which we had been told before he can speak three times um <laughs> He, oh, he bid. He bid Baron Felwell. Farewell. Farewell. Yeah. That's it. He had become, you know, buddies with with Baron by this time. So, so they they slice open Karkaroth's stomach, and there's like Baron's hand, still like perfectly still gripping, gripping the, the Silmaril for deadline. And like the second they touch it, it just vanishes, yeah. and it's just the Silmaril now. And I didn't, <laughs> I didn't understand why that was necessary, but okay, I guess it, the Silmaril was true. Because Tolkien has a sense of humor. Yes. Um. So yeah. <laughs> Hey, it's my hand! Okay, never mind. All right. And so Baron, on his deathbed, right before he dies... Uh, he's, he's mortally wounded in the process. Yeah. Hands the Silmaril to Thingol. And says, I have done it. Yeah, and yeah. says, there you go. <laughs> I did it. I told you I did it, and I did it. Um, so now, what happens next is this, like... Big re- explanation of, like, elf death a little yeah. more. Well, because remember, yeah, so elves, when they die, go to the Hall of Mandos. And right? men, when they die, just die. Yeah. It's it's a gift that yes. Luvatar gave to them gave that to them. elves don't really know about. Yes. So so Luthien is grieving very, very, very heavily, of course, because Baron has now died. So Luthien dies of grief. And she comes to the Halls of Mandos. And she sings a song so sad that even Mandos is weeping. And pities her. Yeah. And he goes to Manway, and he's like, okay, we gotta do something about this. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is... and, and, and he's like, well... Because Baron recovered a Silmaril, yes. right? So we are quite indebted to him. So, so... Mandos is like, you know, I, I, I basically don't have the jurisdiction to traffic in human souls. And Man- or Manway is like, let me, let me consult my innermost thoughts where <laughs> the secrets of Iluvatar still, re- you know, still, still remain. Yes. <laughs> And so Mandos comes, is given some like sage wisdom, and comes back to Luthien with two propositions. One is that Luthien can just like say where she is. Yeah, and and the other is that they can bring Baron back to life as well as Luthien, but she will forever be mortal and will never return to the halls of Mandos. Right. And that's what she chooses. And that's what she chooses. Yeah. So they 
they so they they come back and you know live their happy life and then eventually both of them die as men and leave the world forever. So this is also fulfilled. We we'd heard uh, early 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 in the story, Baron realized that Luthien had tied her fate to his own. So this was this was the first time that an elf had forsook his or her mortality and yes. tied his or herself to a man. Um, so they have several children which are not yet detailed, yeah. of which eventually Aragorn becomes like a descendant of them, which is why he has the ring. Um, but then, as you recall, there's like this kind of recurring kind of Arwen subplot. Where yes, yeah. And she chooses, you know, her mortality. Like, it, it's, it's a reflection of that. Yeah. So, uh, so now we're kind of getting what becomes the kings of Gondor or the, those the line of kings in right? several thousand years yes. yeah in several thousand years. this is yeah this is still about 6,000 years before <laughs> the events of Lord of the Rings the happen. fact you can say that <laughs> is a fairly good sign you know <laughs> yes so that's basically where we are yeah so this we have this I mean this this story I don't know it's like you know, like you were saying, it's so different from what we've seen thus far. Well, in the page turner. It was yeah. a page turner, absolutely. It's, you know, it's 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 pretty long and detailed and, and dense, but it's one thing I like about it though is most of the power is is um manifest in non like physical contact, mm-hmm. and really the biggest battle is when Huan is just like defeating all the werewolves. Yeah, yeah. And you know, we constantly have this. You know, we've talked about the importance of song before and the importance of light before, and that constantly is coming back and through this story because you know Luthien has light in her eyes and yeah. there are moments we didn't touch on there there's a girdle of like seven stars that are placed above Ongvan by Vanya yeah, yeah. just to like kind of taunt Morgoth and yeah. that's invoked and I will say that you can or at least when I read this there are like so many moments of, of contemporary fantasy from various things that I just mm-hmm. can't help but think of like you know, I think of, of, of like, The Legend of Zelda and how, mm-hmm. like, um, uh, Ganondorf takes the form of a wolf and Ganon, oh, like, this wolf yeah. beast. Like, like, that's probably inspired by this. And then yep. I think of, um, not Legend of the Hidden Temple, that's a Nickelodeon game show, uh, Shadow of the Colossus. Shadow of the Colossus, yeah. yeah. Where the, the sigil, like, that kind of reminded me of how they could kind of see the Silmaril through... Karkaroth's stomach. stomach. Like, I, I, these things kind of... Well, I mean, there was one There was one in particular that reminded me of... There's a character in Dark Souls named mm-hmm. Great Sif, who's a giant wolf that's one of the bosses that you fight. And you end up killing this boss, and you're just like, well, it was in my way, and I killed it. But then you find out later on, he had a knight that he protected, and the knight died, mm-hmm. and he couldn't go with him. Mm-hmm. So he's protecting his grave. Yeah. And he's trying to protect you, and he's fighting you to protect you from doing the same mistake that Knight did. And it's it's like and the, it's like the same similar sim, sort, sort of thing. I it's guess. like all these intertwining oaths of friendship and fealty and yeah. and whatnot. And you know, all of this is not for nothing either. Um, you know, Tolkien. I mean, we know he he was uh, an excellent world builder and storyteller. And um, there are countless essays that the man has written. He uh, the, there's a really famous one called On Fairy Tales. Um, so he knows his stuff, and there's a, you know, there's a very, um, uh, what do, what do I want to say? There's a there's a very meaningful method to fairy stories, and oh, yeah. this absolutely is an example of that. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. The Tale of Baron and Luthien, yeah, yeah, the Hero's Journey, but I I don't know. On fairy stories, I feel it's better than the Hero's Journey. (laughs) I will admit I've only read Conrad. (laughs) Yeah, you should should read uh, On Fairy Stories as well, because it's a nice little companion to to Conrad's The Hero's Journey. We spent over 15 minutes on one chapter, so it says something on that. It it merited it, you know? This was, I I, I just love it. And I I will say there are a few, like, uh, I'm not going to say that they're like, criticisms of the chapter but a few things that stick out to me is this repeated invocation of werewolf and then vampire this is the first time we ever get vampires and it feels very um like aberrant just because yeah. what a, what a werewolf and what a vampire are in you know the worst token he never really explains that so in this kind of silly way i can't help but like think of like this like Nosferatu, like, you know, Sauron <laughs> turns into the, like this pale guy wearing a cloak and flies off. Vampire, I will agree with you. However, werewolf, um, he does explain. I mean, well, okay, um, we, we Sauron, have, yes. Yeah, so Sauron is like the, the, the master of all the werewolves in Middle-earth, and werewolves are um, t- like tortured souls that he has put into the bodies of these great wolves. Okay, because I, um, I felt like that popped up out of nowhere in one chapter, too. I was like, well, so there's werewolves now, and they're on a weird island. Yeah. Um... But yeah, yeah, we had magic, we had love, we had, you know, heroism, we had uh, a man able to finally recover a Silmaril, which no one has been able to do yet. Um, so, I don't know, it's... It's really good. It's a great story. It's a really good chapter. I like the whole thing. Like, this is my favorite yeah. part so far yeah. in this book. Like, I, I don't know if I could pick one favorite part of this. Uh, actually, I, I can. I will say my favorite <laughs> my favorite thing within the, the tale of Baron and Luthien is Luthien like, standing on this bridge and telling Sauron... You, you have to away. you have to leave your corporeal form and flee and give the mastery of this place over to me. <laughs> well, and then awesome. and then for me it was just the the part where he's like, I got the summer oats in my hand. Oh, not in that hand. What with the other one? Oh, there's nothing there. <laughs> <laughs> but I swear to you, I have a bloody stump right here. Yes. But I did get the summer oats my, just in someone's stomach. My right favorite, now. my favorite. It is just this image of before he loses his hand of like the Silmaril like shining through his hand and his hand is like this beacon of light. Yeah, and I will say, this this is honestly I would love to see this well handled as, as a movie. As a movie, but w- what I would love to see is is Sylvain Chomet to do it. Oh, I yeah. did uh, the Triplets of Belleville. Mm-hmm. Like I could see this as an entirely nonverbal story because it really does I think give itself to a very visual treatment. Mm-hmm. I was just having a similar conversation uh, the other day with my mom. I was talking about, you know, I would uh, the only way that I would really like to see the Silmarillion as a movie is it's it's so so difficult to pick out how you could uh, turn this into a movie, and it's uh, you know a very hot topic of de- debate between Tolkien scholars and and fans and whatnot. Um, but I really think that it would be fun to have like this sort of German expressionist. Uh, interpretation of like, like Caligari of the um, no of the uh, of um, Anya Lindale of the creation story oh yeah oh okay but that's getting on an entirely different topic <laughs> anyway yeah <laughs> well, I'm John I'm Katie I'm Chase and, and may the odds be ever in your favor wait, wait yeah, sorry, no wrong. that's wrong what no <laughs> no Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Talking Tolkien. To find more podcasts from the Warp Zone Network, just go to warpzonenetwork.com. Also, check us out on iTunes by searching for the English class, Talking Tolkien. 
Also, you can email us at TalkingTolking at WarpZoneNetwork.com. We just want to remind you to have a great week, and remember to toast to the professor. Professor.